0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I talked to Ben and Susan Borland from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I interviewed them back in February of 22 on episode 140. They're planning a new church in Montevideo, Uruguay in South America. Listen as they share how they made the decision to go on the foreign mission field in their 30s with three young kids. They talk about their timeline, finances, team gathering, and how they're preparing for learning a new language. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. We just had a great weekend. Darren and Carla Overstreet came and visited our church. Carla preached at the Women's Day on Saturday. It was awesome. I I snuck in there. Darren and I checked it out. It was great. The room was full. Lots of people there. Carla did an amazing job. And then Darren preached on Sunday and did a great job talking about dealing with progressive theology. And that was a real eye-opener for people. We gave away free books of his. I had like 10 books and gave those away. Found out something interesting about Darren. Darren is a great golfer. We went golfing on Saturday. Now, I am a total hacker. I, I play probably like once every six months or something. I went out there with my son, James, and, and Darren. We had a great time. Darren's like uh, you know sub-pro status, so it was really, really fun to be there with him. We had a great time. I hope they come back and visit. It's interesting, our paths have crossed because Darren's daughter, Ellie, is in our church here in Tucson, so it's really nice we have that connection. The CLIMB conference is coming up November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. We already have a ton of people going. I'm getting emails from people in Denmark, India, other places around the world. You need to be there at this conference. I want you to sign up. So please register today at robskinner.com if you haven't already. It's going to be fun. You're going to get challenged. You're going to get called higher. You're going to come away with a lot of tools for for growing your church and growing personally, spiritually. It's going to be a blast. November 30th through December 3rd of 2023, I want to see you in Dallas. Also, if you're looking to find old episodes on the Rob Skinner Podcast, it's pretty exciting. We've got over 200 episodes now. Just Google Rob Skinner Podcast along with the name, or the subject of the episodes. Really easy. Google's got a great indexing system because it's like, how do I find old episodes? Just type in Rob Skinner podcast and whatever you're looking for, and it'll take you right to where you want to go. I'm currently looking for an assistant to help me with my podcast, my website. If you or someone you know might be interested, just email me at robskinner.com. I'm just trying to figure out how I can do the podcast and stay focused on prayer and ministry of the Word at the same time. So, let me know, Rob, at robskinner.com. I just went on a scouting trip last week to my next mission target in Saurita, Green Valley, in southeastern Arizona. Saurita is one of the top five fastest growing cities in Arizona, and it is beautiful. I mean, we prayed over this lake. It's like amazing. It's just a beautiful, beautiful area, and it's truly a green valley. You wouldn't think so it being in Arizona, but it's very green, very lush, very nice. I'm looking for team members and a church leader to plant that church in September of this year, 2023. So we're looking for families with kids, empty nesters, singles, retirees, to help plant this beautiful area of Arizona. If you're looking to preach the word while building your career, raising your family, or you want to retire with a purpose, contact me at rob at robskinner.com. Ben and Susan, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be back.
0: Now, you guys have been leading your own church for a while. Why in the world did you decide to go on a foreign mission team?
1: I think we've been looking to go abroad, and a lot of advice is, was to go before our kids hit middle school, and um, and so we felt like we were kind of on a timeline here of either we're we were going to have to really plant deeper roots in America or this might be our shot to uh, go somewhere else in the world and experience a different mission field. And, um, and and so, you know, from my, my perspective, I'd never really wanted to, uh, you know, go outside the United States and um, oh, you know, for work or ministry. Um, but a couple things have, I think, you know, experiencing our brothers and sisters and fellowships overseas has, I think, really opened up the door for me. I think a lot of uh, men and women I look up to in ministry have gone overseas um, on the mission field. Um, but when I was getting a master's degree, one of the classes that impacted me the most was just talking about global Christianity and how a lot of the, the heart and mind of theology is moving out of the Western hemisphere and or Western Europe, and and more into the Southern Hemisphere of Africa, Southeast Asia, and South America. So I felt like if we went in the mission field, I want to go into the su- Southern Hemisphere.
2: I wanted to move to Europe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Are you> better. <laughs> okay, so you wanted to, you wanted to move to Europe. What was the trigger? I mean, this is kind of a big decision. Like, can you describe like? Was there like a man from Macedonia vision saying, come over and help us? Was there an audible voice? Okay. What, what happened?
2: So we took a sabbatical in May and June of 2022, and we decided we would spend three weeks while our kids were in school, just chill, not doing anything, three weeks traveling, and then three weeks with our kids home, but they're at home and we're just relaxing, going to the pool every day. So that was how we divided our time, and we planned a huge trip to Denmark. So we went to Denmark for two weeks with our kids. We got to visit the church in Copenhagen. Also on the way, we visited the church in Chicago, where I was raised, and um, we just had a great time. I think there was some nerves about bringing our kids really far away from home. Um, will they survive on an airplane ride? Will they adapt well to time change and culture? And they did. Awesome. We had such a blast. And as a family, we navigated really well. And I think it sort of gave Ben and I the confidence of like, okay, our kids can do this. They not only that, but they they had a good time and they were interested. And we had a long way over in Helsinki, Finland, and it was kind of wild. But we had a good time doing all of those things together as a family, and we functioned very well. And I think that gave us some security to be like, okay, maybe we could do this. Um, So, but Uruguay was not on our radar at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's that's a good, so basically you took your kids on like a little mini trip, not a mission trip, but a, a mini trip. And you thought, okay, these, these, these little people are portable. They, they can travel. They're, they're not, yeah. they're not fixed.
2: No. And they had a great time. They wanted to learn words. They, they wanted to try the food, you know, like they were very adventurous. We took public transit everywhere. We went to the grocery store. We went to parks. We lived to, like locals and they were there for it.
0: And so. how many kids do you guys have? And We age, have three. And their age?
2: Um, daughter who's 10, a son who just turned nine, and a son who's six.
0: Oh my gosh, that's the wonder years right there. That's awesome. Wow. Okay, so a daughter, a son, and then another daughter? son. Uh, okay, two boys, two boys. okay. Okay. So you're looking at Europe, you go into Denmark you're like, wow, this is amazing. Scandinavia. Wow. This is awesome. Okay. Curveball comes in. It's Uruguay. Okay. Why?
2: Um, so I could actually like tell you the moment that it happened. We had a dear friend of ours who was in our campus ministry. She moved with us to OU and she's recently moved to New York and, um, she said uh oh you guys are thinking about moving abroad we confided in her yeah we're thinking about it you know we're praying about it but nothing had really happened yet and she said oh i know that they're planting they're doing a mission team in montevideo uruguay and we were like oh okay um threw it in the in the honestly like just put it in the trash in our brains like okay whatever two days later we're talking to matt and adriana brown and um and they said, well, what about Montevideo Uruguay? They're planning on planting a church there. And I remember looking at Ben saying, whoa, that feels like the spirit. And then two days after that, he was actually talking to you and you suggested it as well. And so I was out doing something and I had two requirements for moving out of the country. I said, it has to have four seasons. I don't wanna live in summerland. I just, I don't want, it, my heart would hurt. And it has to have public transit. And so I got home from something and he said, you wouldn't believe this, but Rob Skinner also suggested Montevideo Uruguay. I already looked it up. They have four seasons and they have a good bus system. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, and uh, I don't mean to screw it in the trash in our brain. I, right.
0: No, I, I get it. I get it. It wasn't, wasn't an oh, option at that point.
2: You no, know, it was just a casual suggestion that we didn't really think about until God kept interrupting it.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the advantage we have is that Susan has studied Spanish most of her life and that's what she got her uh, undergrad degree in. So we always felt like if we were to learn a language, Spanish, we'd we'd at least have a leg up there. And uh, so that was helpful. But it was intimidating. You know, we thought we might just get a part of a larger staff you know, in being in the mission field in that capacity or a church that had already been planted
2: or somewhere that spoke English primarily, or, you know, in Europe, many people speak the language or speak English. So we thought like, oh, that'll be easier.
1: Yeah. And so, but I think we were, or or, uh, not to speak for both of us, but I felt largely intimidated about leading a mission team overseas uh, in a language and culture I'm unfamiliar with. So, um, you know, as, you know, as the word said, it's like God would, you know, strengthen us to be able to stretch, a, you know, a bow of bronze. And that's where I felt like faith was just building month after month leading up to us moving, uh, in June. So,
0: okay. So Susan speaks fluently and you don't speak the language bit. Okay. Let's, so let's talk a little bit about that. How, how are you feeling going into that? You are like light years behind Ben. H- how are you feeling now?
1: Yeah, I, I feel pretty dumb, um, <laughs> and, but I hope scripture with it, or I think the one that's probably humbling me and bringing me close to God is that it's, you know, to, in order in the kingdom, you have to become a little child mm. and nothing makes me feel more like a little child than learning a language. And, um, and someone jokingly, uh, calls me Tarzan because that's kind of where my language is at. Just pointing at, <laughs> at even saying it correctly then, and uh, but it's it's really hard. In fact, I felt like I was watching a lot of YouTube videos of people who learned a language fast, and um, and it's not necessarily the best tricks of learning things. But I was like, I think they're just hope testimonials mm. for me that people can learn a language. Oh yeah, so, definitely. I, I'm not a person who has a great ear for language. Uh, I mean, even in speaking English, I feel like I'm slow to hear exactly what people say and process at times. And if you heard me publicly speak, I, you know, I, I uh, commonly um, will make word mistakes. So. Um, oh, I look forward to making many, many mistakes in in Spanish now, and not only in English. So, oh my gosh! But
0: some of some of my best sermon illustrations are language faux pas that I made in Japan. So, you know, look forward to that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. It's helped open up the door when we ask people who do speak Spanish and, and English and just their faux pas, and it <laughs> um, great conversation to have with people. So.
0: Oh, you're going to do great. So what's your, what's your plan to acquire the language?
2: So, um, we actually came off staff in the Oklahoma city church at the end of February. And, um, we just asked, can we please do that? Because we feel like we need to sell our house, uh, get all of our paperwork for residency, I mean, sell, everything. Sell, sell everything, sell everything, sell everything. And we we wanted to take our kids down for spring break and have a long trip there so they could see it. And there's just so much that goes into moving. But also, we wanted to work on the language. I don't really speak Spanish in Oklahoma City. There's really not a need for it. So um, one of my running friends is a professor at Oklahoma Christian University. And so I just asked her, do you guys have a Spanish department? And do you think we would be allowed to audit classes? And lo and behold, they allowed us to audit three Spanish classes. So we started going in person Monday, Wednesday, Friday for three hours. And then we both signed up for two different online courses and take about a Spanish class a day. And then, you know, dabble on the, on the app or I have an app. He has more intensive. You have to open the computer screen and like work with a person. So, um, but yeah, and then honestly, anytime I can practice, like at, I'm at the dentist office. If I hear someone speaking Spanish, I'm like. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you know we have a lot of Zoom calls with uh, South American missions, and so we get to practice Spanish there. And um, we traveled. We've traveled down there now twice for two weeks. Um, so anytime we go, I notice like a huge jump, even in both of our Spanish, because we're picking up words and putting them in our pockets for later. So.
0: That is awesome. When you go there, when when are you going?
2: Uh, we actually fly out of America on May 30th. Okay, so the May day 30th. After-
0: so are you going to be going to language school there, or what's when you hit the ground, What what's your plan?
2: So both of us will continue using our online courses, um, but I did, when I was grocery shopping last time when we were there, I did find a language school down the street from us, That I think Ben will probably get enrolled in because I I think it'll just be more helpful to to learn uh Uruguay has a very specific accent and the way that they pronounce certain things and just different words that they use and it's almost like if somebody was moving to Boston you know it's like it's very it's very specific dialect and and accent and so I think he it would be helpful for him to speak with someone from there. Um, But also what's really cool is that we rented an apartment last time we were there. And above our apartment is not, it's an apartment, but it's a nonprofit organization that teaches public kids, public school kids English. And so we thought, well, maybe we can just go up there sometimes and help practice like Spanish with the kids while we're teaching them English. And our kids could do that too. And it's very vulnerable you know, learning a different language, you don't want to feel like an idiot, but when someone's learning your language, you can feel like idiots together.
0: Mm, ben, I can just, I can just visualize you among those eight year olds just breaking out your Spanish. I can just see. you. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let's we're probably going to come back to the language acquisition a little bit more, but let's talk a little bit more. Who's supporting you? Where are you getting the support? You guys already quit your job in Oklahoma city. Where's the money coming from?
1: Yeah, so um, the, the money is uh, generously being donated from the Central uh, Jersey Church of Christ, um, and that's with Johnny and uh, Glory Rivera. And so uh, when we interviewed in October over Zoom, uh, we interviewed with him, uh, but also a brother, uh, Sebastian um, Serra um, who was leading in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, and they just moved to New York City um, to lead the Spanish-speaking ministry there. And uh, so we're getting a lot of emotional and language support from uh, Buenos Aires, which is our closest True. cultural connection and and a proximity to where Montevideo um, is. Um, and then, of course, the South American Mission Society, which is based out of uh, Miami and Broward, Broward. Uh, or, or Broward, um, is, uh, is is also been you know helping us along the way figure out a lot of things. So. Um, I, I think it's been a while since they've put an American missionaries in South America, or at least the Spanish speaking South America side. Um, so I think we were just kind of getting a lot of rust off and, um, and, you know, it, it, it's a lot. I mean, I felt like just trying to launch from America into another country is a lot, um, but I felt like we had a lot of blinders. So, um, so it's grateful to have a, a lot of people along the way to give input and advice.
2: It's been great. We don't have any complaints.
0: So the money's coming from various sources. You've got this, the Central New Jersey Church that's giving you some money. The yes. Central and South America Missions Fund, is that right? There, there's a mission organization? SAMS, okay.
2: South America
0: Society. South America Mission Society, okay. And then you're getting emotional support from the former leader of the Buenos Aires Church? Or are you getting money from, uh, yeah. from Argentina?
1: and a couple elders there um, who, who still show up on some of our Zoom calls as we try and recruit uh, missionaries to join us.
0: What's the situation there now? Like what's what's going on in Montevideo? Is there a church already there or are you starting from scratch? Like what, it seems to me like, I can't imagine that there hasn't been a church already there um, after the 2000 plan.
1: Right
2: so um from everything that we understand there was a church planted there in 98 in 98 um but then in 2003 they lost their funding and i i think their leaders were south american leaders but they they weren't able to stay and most of the church just moved to different countries where there was a church um but that's hard to do. You know, not every, it's not like moving to a different state, you know, moving to a different country is hard. And so right now there are, um, three women there, uh, who have just stayed and they've, they've gone to different churches, but they're very close friends and they're in, in close communication with one another. Um, and they're so excited about us coming back. So excited that, um, you know, they they called us while we were there and we got together, we were able to get together with them. And then one of the sisters, Karina, had us over for just an amazing barbecue at her house and let our kids eat ice cream on her bed while they watched Puss in Boots with subtitles. So <laughs> they're just incredibly excited and and uh, really looking forward to helping the church move forward. So
1: okay. Yeah. And, and boy been looking to replant Montevideo for a long time. so uh, And and I I think COVID kind of delayed their plans even longer. So anticipation has been building for a while to get back into this country, in which this is the last country for us to have a church in, in uh, the continent of South America. So all of South America is like pretty excited about this planting.
0: It's the last country that has, that doesn't have a like a viable church?
1: Yeah, uh, for us, for the ICOC. For the,
0: you're right, for our family of churches. Okay, that, I mean, that's exciting. Wow. Yeah. How often does that happen? You guys really got selected for something really special. You guys yeah. you guys, yeah. you guys must be living right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, how yeah. how many people are going, are you forming a team? who Who's going with you?
1: Uh, yes. So uh, we're forming a team. We're not going solo, low. And um, and so we are kind of divided between two continents of North America and South America here. And uh, there's been a lot more enthusiasm from the South American side because they've been wanting to plant this for a while. Um, so uh, a few people from Buenos Aires have continued to have Zoom calls over the last two, three years um, to continually recruit for uh, Montevideo. Uh, so we have only recently um, started on the North American side. So right now we're up to uh, nine members um, that are um, uh, going to be a part of the church there. The, the three women that are, or sorry, it's 10. It's uh, the three women who are already there. Uh, we have four Americans going. Uh, my wife and I, and then a couple of single women. Uh, one is a retired teacher. Uh, one is a, a younger, uh, young professional. Um, And then we have uh, a brother from um, Bogota, Colombia, and then we have um, a a family from Buenos Aires um, that is joining us. And they're fully committed, like they have tickets to come. Uh, And we've had a lot of people who've been interested. And then there's a lot of people who are usually teachers who want to come during their summer uh, in North America. And because we're on the southern hemisphere, it's uh, winter there. They want to come down. Uh, for two, three weeks at a time and just share their faith and uh, maybe get a little, get a little sprinkling in the missionary magic um, uh, and and be a part of that. So it's been pretty exciting and the buzz has been pretty exciting lately. And sometimes you're just not really sure these days, you know, how excited are people going to be about a new church or a new missionary planting, you know, halfway across the world. But um, it's, uh, God has really grown our imaginations and hearts um, with the process so far.
0: That's awesome. I know there's someone in our church who's really interested in going, and I hope uh, that they will go with you. So it's so it's thrilling, and I'm I'm praying that you guys really fill up the team. How many people would you like to go with? Like, you, do you have a target?
1: Yeah. So we, well, we kind of have a plan either way. If we're closer to ten, we'll feel like we'll probably start off in more of a house church setting. Um, if we're closer to 20, we'll feel like we'll we'll need a public space to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there just aren't apartments large enough to kind of um, uh for for 30 people very well. So um, so that that's our our idea and vision and uh, the weather there is is good most of the time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, even meeting outside isn't uh, off the table um, uh, uh, for us there, but that's kind of the idea, you know, we, we just imagine somewhere between 10 and 20. Mm. Um, and we'll, we'll let God fill in the exact number, but Mm -hmm. you know, we're at least planning for.
0: I'll be praying that you guys get, get, get to 20. That would be awesome. So Ben and Susan, how long are you thinking about staying there?
1: Yeah, I think that's important to think about when you're going to be a missionary. But I feel like when you're learning another language and it's so hard to do it, you probably want to stick around for a while. And um, so with me, I, and I think just planning a new church, we're imagining, you know, five years to be able to raise up leaders, get stability, uh, maybe be able to appoint someone there, a, a local to raise up in ministry and uh, be a part of that. But we, we love, you know, this area, the ministry, the dreams, um, a lot of the other churches in the area. So it's a great family of churches. And so we wouldn't mind sticking around longer. Um, but it, as far as the South American mission society is, we're, we're looking in the, in the ballpark of five
0: years. Okay. That's exciting. So five, how old are you guys?
1: I'm 37 and Susan's 36.
0: Okay. Well, you guys haven't even hit your prime yet. You are just, you, when you, when you get, to. <laughs> what's that?
2: You say that to us every year. I know
0: it's so true. I mean, you don't get to your prime until you're 40, 40 to 60 prime years. That's great. All right. So what about your kids? Like, are are they excited? Have you told them?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Yes, because we're selling their items (laughs) right out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that they were pretty hesitant at first. Um, we took them there for spring break in March. We felt like we're happy to pay ourselves to go for spring break because we just really need them to see it and to feel invested in it. And so, um, we brought them down and it is literally on a beach. (laughs) Um, we live. 0.2 miles away from the waterfront wow and um i they loved it i mean my daughter and i we had to split ubers because we had so much luggage (laughs) my daughter and i were in an uber together and we were driving and you know how every airport is in like not a great area (laughs) and you have to kind of drive through that dodgy area at first to get to like the city you're going to Um, We're driving through just like, you know, the airport area. And she said, I love it. Mm. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, You know, there's palm trees. The sun is setting. It's just it's gorgeous. And then we went to their school and we got to see their school and meet teachers. And they just, you know, it's very different from American schools. They they're outside so much more during the day. And it's just, it's just more casual. And so the kids are really looking forward to that. You know, they got to meet classmates, they got to meet teachers, they got to see the school. Um, and I think that that helped them a lot. So they're excited. The other day I asked my daughter a question in Spanish and she answered me in Spanish. And I was Whoa.
0: like, "Whoa, yeah. Wow.
2: So, um, i think that they are i'll speak spanish to them at home um i think language acquisition they are very nervous about
1: yeah
2: you know our six-year-old will probably surpass all of us Mm -hmm. and it won't be um but you know it's it's a lot they don't get a summer break i think that's probably one of the harder things is that we are literally taking them from school and putting them right back into school because June is their December. Right. So, but we feel like that is a better choice because they'll immediately be able to make friends, learn the language, get into a rhythm, mm-hmm. and feel secure.
0: This is going to be like the long winter for them because they're coming out of winter and going straight back into winter. Yeah,
1: Honestly, no no summer in 2023 for them. We, <laughs>
2: A little anxious about
1: that. <laughs> I've been. Pretty- <laughs> yeah. What? Well, but I, I. feel like their their winter is probably warmer than our spring has been yeah. in Oklahoma. I feel.
0: <laughs>
1: when, we interviewed in October over Zoom, but we wanted to see the city first. Um. And and so that's when we, you know, we were gonna. Tra- Mom and Dad were gonna travel for a week. We had to explain it to them yeah. why we were traveling. So that's when we decided them that God has given us an opportunity to possibly move overseas and uh, what the city was. And we immediately like loaded up a, you know, like a tourist video to kind of give them at least something visual. Um, But because we've taken our kids on vacation overseas and they've seen our churches in other places, it it equipped us to say that, Hey, you know, what, missionaries moved to these countries to plant the churches. And that's what we're doing. And many of those people who moved to those countries were Americans. So we wanted to feel, help them feel like a sense of pride of a lot of ways that we've experienced our family of churches across a, a lot of different countries is that we're kind of, we're, you know, we're kind of on the shoulders of giants here. Mm. So have done it um, and, and we're continuing a lot of that work. So, you know, it's not just the, the physical moving. We wanted a good spiritual element along with them. So.
0: Oh, I think it's so exciting. You know, I did a little bit of background research. So the country has around three million people in it. So it's yeah. it's kinda of like the state of Oregon. It's like a I, I that's how I view it. I'm surprised it, it's also the southernmost capital in South America. It's just a little bit more south than uh Buenos Aires. What okay, what I find interesting, it's super close to Buenos Aires. It's Like, like it looks almost from the map. You could drive there. I'm sure you you probably don't do it, but it's like really close,
1: right? There's a large river to separate them.
2: Yeah. We took a, it was about a three hour ferry ride.
0: Well, that's going to be nice to be close to other disciples. It makes me wonder why do you think there hasn't been a planting prior to this? If it's that close to a massive, uh, you know, city like Buenos Aires.
1: Yeah, and I think it's uh, just the southern cone of churches. If you know that you have a plan, right, and you plant your churches along the way, and I know Montevideo, they've been wanting to plant for a while. So, and I think COVID just delayed a lot of their plans. Got it. Um, so, yes, I'm grateful for that delay um, <laughs> and uh, allowing us to go. So, um, and they've been so welcoming for us to come in. Um, so it's. So it makes it a little bit more exciting not only to be on the mission field and you know to really get gritty in that way, but to have a unity with those brothers and sisters um, across those countries. It's um, yeah, you know, it's a real honor to be you know with them and right. and, and connect.
0: Well, I, I mean, really, Ben, you, you I, again, you guys must be have a powerful prayer life because reading about it, the country is one of the safest in South America. It's one of the yes. most it's one of the most stable economically. Yes. Yes. It's it's really doing well economically. You've got a democracy there. You've got a constitutional presidency. I go, man, I'm just reading through and go, whoa, what's the downside here? It's it's safe. The economy's in 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 one piece. Uh, I just go, man, I, w- what are you thinking as you walk into this?
1: Yeah, it's uh, thanks for helping us recruit Americans. That's <laughs> Anything but I can yeah, do. It, it is a trade-off. I think the stability and, and the safety that the country really offers is that it's um, it's almost a wash when it comes to, um, uh, what is it, like uh, just the cost of li- living. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of things, you know, what you buy in the grocery store or furniture, uh, it's, it's the same price you'd pay in the United States. Maybe a little so more. So I think some people, you know, generally speaking, if you go into Central America or South America, it's you're going to get a lot more bang for, you know, the USD, the United States dollar. Um, but that's not necessarily the case in Uruguay. And, um, um, but I'm grateful for the stability and the safety that it comes, that that's there, because that gives us a lot more confidence and, you know, our family. Um, but it's just, they're amazing, you know, uh, people. So, um, uh, and they're just, they're loving, they're extremely kind. I mean, I feel like, some people that we uh, barely know have like really laid down their lives that I think some of my best friends wouldn't do <laughs> uh, in the same way. And I think it's the way they're raised. and um, so I, they're just an incredible people, and that's been our experience so far. So um, so we're excited for the planting and what God'll do with um,
0: with them. Yeah.
2: I will tell you a downside, Rob. Sure. They're there. Is better there.
0: <laughs> One more time.
2: There is no peanut butter there.
0: <laughs> Why is that?
2: They don't make it. Wow. And so we have already sent, well, we brought down jars of peanut butter with us in March. And we're packing jars of peanut butter. And everybody there loves when we visit because we bring Reese's cups. <laughs> we brought a f- peanut butter M&M's. Uh, it's just, they just don't have it there. So it's, it's a random downside, but. It interesting.
0: So you just gotta, you just gotta pack the skippy when you, when you move down there. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about it. If a person were interested, like how much, let's just say a person is like single. They want to go down there for a year. How much do you think they'd have to save to be able to support themselves for a year down there on like a pretty trimmed down budget? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I think, like a good livable wage there, I think, is in the range of 40, 50,000, or 40 to 60 USD, um, I think, to support a family. I think so, you know, working remotely from the United States has a lot of power. Um, in fact, I um, uh, I coached my son's soccer team in the fall, and, and the other coach with me, he had a, um, a friend who was a programmer, a coworker, who just... Moved all around the world uh, during the pandemic, and he's decided to land in uh, Montevideo of all places, but he works part time, um, you know, programming. So, you know, the dollar can go a little bit further there um, time wise, but it just seems like people live on less. Um, So if you're into like a minimalist uh, approach to life, a minimalist approach to life, uh, it's your people. I mean, it's everything smaller your apartment's smaller, the car's smaller, Um, uh, just everything is just less. You just live on less. So,
2: Like we don't plan to own a car. We plan to take public transit and walk everywhere. I mean, it's very walkable. Uh, Our apartment for the five of us is 1,100 square feet. Um, It's just, everything is just a little bit smaller. Um, I mean, America is just, everything is oversized here. So you know it's just it's a different perspective but it's very normal
0: um okay susan you're already hating on america and you haven't even left the country okay <laughs> I, I hear that <laughs>
2: um even even like their mcdonald's meals are smaller <laughs> They do <don't...
1: laughs>
2: um but but yeah it's just it, everything's a little bit smaller and um so for that reason i think it's a little bit more uh navigatable with
0: less so okay so it's a you get a little discount by going there but not much because the economy is pretty solid it's it's more expensive than maybe a like a more developing country okay so there's there's good and bads to that so it's it's not like you're going to live you're going to make it on five thousand a year or something like that you're going to um, you, you need more money, so like this would be perfect for like a digital nomad, someone who's got a part-time job who works uh, online and then can can bring in money from the states U.S. dollar. Now, let me ask you this: is is it dollar denominated? What what's the currency?
2: Peso.
1: Yeah, the Uruguayan peso. Okay, which is yeah. about uh, an American quarter is about. 10 uruguayan pesos
0: okay so 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 how much is it how much would a dollar u.s dollar buy of pesos there
1: 40.
2: this is our worst kind of math how
1: dare you rob (laughs) so i I think it's about 40 pesos uruguayan pesos would be an american dollar i
2: Mm -hmm. was looking at i was looking online at for like a hot water tea kettle yesterday And it said it was 498 pesos, which to me sounds really expensive. So I typed it in. It's about $11.50. Yeah, there you go. So I just, I have to like learn, okay, this is how much 100 pesos is. This is how much 500 pesos I go from there. But I'm.
0: So, so let's say you're going out to lunch. How much is it going to cost you to get lunch? Lunch special.
1: Family of five. It's a nightmare. Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, I think we're, I think we're spending $40, $50, um, okay. when we were eating family. So yeah. okay. we
2: don't eat out much.
0: <laughs> Got it. Okay. So what are you guys the most excited about? Oof.
2: I think that, well, already we've seen a lot of this happen, but I think just God stories. Yeah. Um, you know I I think it's just one of those things where I'm I'm praying about something, I'm praying about something I'm praying and God just makes it happen in kind of the most incredible way. Um, but I just feel like things have fallen into place like I really think that God wants us to be there.
1: Yes, yeah. for
2: some reason. so I'm I'm humbled by that and I'm grateful for that. But I think just to watch him continue creating God's stories for us. So whether that's language or one of my my God story words right now is mattresses. We really need mattresses in our apartment in, in order for us to be able to sleep there. So I've just been praying like, okay, God, please, like just mattresses. I don't know how that's going to happen, but please just make mattresses disappear out of thin air. And um, I think just, you know, watching our kids unfold there, watching the church unfold, like who's going to... I remember when we were in campus ministry, I I would think, who's going to join our campus ministry this year? Who's going to get baptized? That's going to completely change the face of our campus ministry. And so I think it's things like that. Like what's going to happen that God is going to completely change everything and turn it on its head?
1: Yeah. And I think for me, it's like a a quick God story was we just recently traveled to New York and New York City and Central Jersey. Um, the sending church for us, and uh, so I got to uh, preach there, and uh, a first-time visitor that came, um, uh, him and his wife were born and raised in Uruguay. so I mean, it was just like, what kind of moment, like a country of three million people, and this person comes to church for the first time, and we just happened to be there for our first time ever, so it was just like a great moment like that from like you know, being in a, in a smaller context in the United States, like Oklahoma City, we've had all these odd connections with Montevideo from one of our campus students who worked with uh, a study, st- abroad. study abroad students, uh, connected with a girl who moved back to Montevideo. And we've had, we've had dinner with them. They bought us dinner. They housed one of the Mission Society women who is helping us uh, for free. Um, and they've continued to help us like you know, at, look at our lease, um, you know, like all those specific things that, is this right? Is it not right? Um, to even, um, you know, the co-coach of my kids' little league soccer team having a co-worker who moved there and we were able to grab coffee together and connect. Um, so it's just, it's incredible the way that God works in some of these small ways. So I'm excited for, you know, getting those stories in Montevideo, but you know, the idea of, you know, 10 to 20 people coming across different countries, you know, for that mission uh, and to see it take off, it's, um, you know, it's, it's excited to see a dream and a hope for God to really take off. So that's awesome. Um, I think I'm very excited for the miracles and new stories that come out of it and yeah. to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. in that. Yeah. I just, it's so, I mean, that's, what's so exciting about a mission planting Foreign Field, souls saved, people's lives totally changed, transformed, and to know you're a part of it. You're there at the, at the very beginning. It's really, really awesome to do something special for, for Jesus. couple more questions here. First of all, is it too late to join? What if someone were interested? Is it too late?
2: Never too late.
1: <laughs> of course not. We'll, we'll be moving June 1st. In fact, one brother is moving there before us in the month of May. Um, but most of the people are coming after us and we'll continue to recruit. I think as long as we're there, if you're interested, you could reach out in a couple different ways from us. If you, of course, if you personally know us, please, uh, you could call us or text us, but um, we put together um, an email for anyone interested. It's missionmontevideo uh, mission Montevideo at gmail.com. And, um, and so, and it's also in Spanish is mission Uruguay at gmail. So mm-hmm. there's a only So if you even misspell mission, you could get it right.
0: I'm sure people are listening, going, "Oh, you know, maybe I don't qualify. Like, is there, is there any demographic that's like not, not invited to this? I mean, is there like an age limit? Can, can retirees go? Can empty nesters go? Can, I mean, can college students go like any, any people you're not looking for?
2: Um, no, actually they have a huge expat retirement community. Um, so that is, I mean, retirees are welcome. It's a very mild temperature to place and it's on the water. Um, so, so there, there's that. Uh, but I think it, it will be hard if you do not know Spanish at all. Yeah. Um, there are just not enough English speakers. It is, it's not like You know, when you go to like Germany or France, everybody can speak English. It is not like that. And so that would make it challenging if you don't plan to learn Spanish or, you know, it's like you got to work on it a little bit before. Um, Also, just another great. I think it would be great if people worked remotely, because I think it would it would take a second to establish residency, to figure all that out, getting a job there, would be hard as an American, you do not need a visa. You can be there for 90 days. And a lot of times Americans will just leave the country, literally take a ferry a to Buenos Aires and come right back and their 90 days restarts. Nice. And that's fine. Yeah. Um. So I think those two things would be helpful, um, Spanish speaking or just some, some base knowledge. As well as working remote, right. if you're not retired.
0: I mean, the, <laughs> the attractive part about it is, you know, when you go to countries where English is is a second language, it's hard to learn that language because everyone's immediately flips over into English to to benefit you. But there, you're going to be forced to pick it up much faster. So that's kind of an that's kind of an attractive quality in my mind.
2: Yes, in most cases, it's like people are like, I'm. Uh, no, I don't. And there's no one here that does. So like, we're going to have to figure this out. Wow. Um, and I can imagine that would be frustrating to people who have just no, no Spanish at all.
0: Now, Susan, you're, I, I know this, I just want to ask a few more questions. You're a big runner. What, what are you going to do down there? Are you going to run down there?
2: Yeah, they, I mean, so they actually have to recruit the runners of the podcast listener audience. Um, they have, I think it's 19 miles along the coastline, where it's like a double-wide running path along the water. It's called La Rambla, and um, you can look that up too, Rob. Oh, I know you like to research. <laughs> but I've, well, there are people moving, walking, biking on it, literally all the time well, at yeah. night, at day. It's just wonderful. Mm. So, and there, there, there's a marathon there in May. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, I've already looked it up. Wow. So- yeah. If, to attach it to like an American city, it reminded me of the most of Austin, Texas, if you've ever been there. Um, it's, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's, it's, you know, oh, yeah. kind of a smaller, you know, mid sized city. Um, but barbecue is their big thing there. Uh, beef, cattle, ranchers, it's a big industry there. Um, but then, you know, public transportation is by bus. Um, but it's just, it's green, it's people are laid back. Um, and so it, except it's all in Spanish. So, you know, it's just, so to attach it, you know, kind of as best to America, kind of, it reminds me the most of Austin, Texas, where I became a disciple. So maybe I'm biased in that perspective, but, uh, it, the city itself reminds me a lot of Austin,
0: Texas. Wow. I mean, what's not to like barbecue beef meat. I mean, and Spanish is a beautiful language. I mean, just, it's awesome. Okay, so that's exciting. I am super happy for you guys. You know, talking to you, I go. I want to go. I want to. I want to join. I want to. This is awesome. Yeah. So I, you know, I just want to wish you guys all the best there. I hope that you get 20, 20 or more members. Uh, I just want to you. wish you just every blessing as you go down there. I think it's thrilling. I think the fact that you guys not only thought about it but pulled the trigger on it with a family of five is awesome, and it's something that. I hope more and more people do, whether they're leading or if they're just on the team. All the best to you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about the program. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them on Amazon.com or IPI Books. Thirdly, support the program financially by going to tucsonchurchofchrist.org and hitting the Donate tab. Many people have done this. I really want to give a special shout-out to Melanie Yu, who's been such a super support. But select the general fund, and your tax-deductible gift will help me to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.